Hello and welcome to the Nerd Room. I'm Tim. And I'm Sanjay. And here we are. This is episode one of our little passion project. We've been talking about doing this for what, a year, two? At, le- at least, at least. I mean, it seems like every time we'd walk to the comic shop, we'd be like, hey, let's make our own podcast. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things that we kind of have this nice dialogue in that and it's kind of like, well, why don't we just stick a mic in front of ourselves and maybe put a little structure to it and, hey, hopefully we can produce some, you know, reasonable content here that uh, people can enjoy. And if nothing else, at least our wives will watch it or listen to it. So uh, that's two viewers. Exactly, exactly. They kind of have to. <laughs> um, so before we begin, I thought we'd just uh, run down a little bit about ourselves. Um, so I'll start. So I've always been interested in comics and comic book characters. Growing up, I really loved the X-Men, Spider-Man, and Batman TV shows in the 90s. In my opinion, those are still the three best comic book cartoon TV shows ever created. Um, as I got older, I really enjoyed the movies from Marvel and DC. Big favorites were the Nolan Batman trilogy, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, well, the first two anyways, and the Sam Raimi trilogy. Again, just the first two. I was also a huge fan of the Brian Singer X-Men movies. I mean, the first two were really great. There seems to be a trend here. The thing I really like about those movies is that they really held up today. You know, you rewatch X2, it's just as good, if not better, than Days of Future Past. And, you know, you rewatch uh, the Batman trilogy. I mean, it's going to be tough for Zack Snyder to really top those Nolan Batman films. You know, I we talk about this all the time, but I truly believe we're in the golden age of comic book movies. With us being in the golden age, there's no better time to start than today, so... You know, when I was growing up as a kid, we were lucky to see a comic book movie maybe once a year. We, di- we didn't really know any better as an audience. I mean, we sadly turned Batman Forever into a smash hit. It wasn't... We were only getting what, we, what they gave us, right? It wasn't like we were producing this amazing content. It was Batman Forever was out there. You know, we were 10. Love the action figures. Love all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> it was that or Steel. So, uh, you know, Batman Forever looks pretty good compared to Steel. Anything looks good compared to Steel. <laughs> you know, and, you know, Marvel, you know, they've kind of cracked the code right now, but it wasn't that long ago when, you know, they were putting out movies like Howard the Duck and Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. The quality of comic book films has really improved in the last 20 years. Uh, and it certainly has. And I think a lot of that comes down to, or a bit of it at least, is, you know, we're getting these good writers, good directors, and these are being seen as, as actual movies, not so much as like kind of CG hokery and, you know, just throwing stuff at a screen and hopefully you make a bunch of money. You know, we're getting good people, Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder, you know, there's good writers behind this stuff and they're making a ton of money too. So they're putting the effort into them. Oh yeah, studios are finally taking these movies seriously, and it's good to see. So I was a big fan of the movies, but I never really read the comic books. It wasn't until one fateful day when I was at the gym, when my whole life was changed. I was pelted with gamma rays. I was transformed into something different. From that day forward, whenever I got angry, I turned into the Hulk. Oh wait, sorry, wrong origin. Nah, we were just uh, working out, and then one of our trainers at the gym told us that uh, DC Comics was rebooting their entire comic book universe. And growing up, I was more of a Marvel guy, to be honest with you, but I thought, hey, there's no better way to jump into reading comics than this. So, you know, at the time, Batman and Superman were on issue 700 and something, and that was a huge roadblock for me. It's such an intimidating process. I mean, how do you step into reading comics with 75 years of convoluted history behind it? I mean, you read Harry Potter, you know, there's eight books. Imagine if Harry Potter had been going on since 1920s. <laughs> it is quite intimidating jumping into the whole comic book world. It's uh, you know, what volume do you start at? What issue do you start at? Yeah. You know, how much how far do you have to go back? 
And part of this podcast, we hope, is to bridge the gap for beginners. Like, we've been there. We know how daunting it can be to get into comic book reading. So that's why each episode, we will have a little segment called New to Nerd, where we will discuss different topics about starting out collecting, reading comic books, what to know, what to look out for. Yeah, and I think with that, it's 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 important to say that, and we'll get into this a little bit um, as we start to discuss things, is that, again, like Sanjay said, you know, he's pretty pretty new in a relative sense um, when we're talking mm-hmm. about the length of time that comic books have been produced. Relatively new to the scene, as am I. I'm, I've only been really a, a real hardcore reader since essentially like 2011 or something. I'll talk a bit about that a little later, but, you know, it's really the MCU, MCU movies that brought me into this. Um, and prior to that, I was, you know, purely just a Star Wars guy. Um, but I think getting into that... I've always been a big Star Wars guy, you know. I, you know, from a kid, we always collected action figures. And, you know, early on, it was Ghostbusters. It was Ninja Turtles. You know, I even was quite heavily into Jurassic Park. Um, go and, Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. How could you not love that? Like the, I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I saw that, you know. It almost made the Ninja Turtles feel real. And then you had, you know, Super Shredder coming out of the dock and killing himself and all that sort of stuff. Whoa, whoa, spoiler alert, man. Some some people, I don't know if all the readers have seen it. It's a 25-year-old movie, but... Uh... If you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as a spoiler for a movie that's 25-year-old. What, what do you think is the, uh, what is the, um, lo- the rule on spoilers? Like, can you t- say, okay, the movie's still in theaters, definitely no spoilers? Yeah, definitely. I think if it's over, if it's, if it's out on Blu-ray or it's been talked about quite heavily for you know, a year, even like, even at that, if something important, if we're talking like the force awakens or something like that, it's gotta be, you know, we'll say spoilers and stuff like that. But God, if you haven't seen that within the first two weeks or whatever, then you're, you just gotta, you gotta figure out your life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially if you're on comic book websites and stuff like that, I mean, you're bound to see some spoilers and it could be accidental, but I feel like, you know, if it's still in theaters, then articles and stuff should be tagged with spoilers. But as soon as even if it's, we'll say two months in theaters, I feel like that's a reasonable enough time. It's been two months, spoilers. If not, fair game. Well, of course, and and I'll, even now it's hard to avoid spoilers. Like I have a, a rule: I only watch the first teaser, um, and the first full length trailer of a of a movie to try to avoid any spoilers. Because you know, you get on TV, the TV spots they you know you fill up like 30 to 40 minutes of a movie if you kind of press all this together you kind of get the the cool scenes that they're showing you and you see this with comedy movies too you often get the best jokes are in the trailers and so i've completely stopped watching tv spots and anything after kind of the first official trailer yeah Um, and even with talking about civil war stuff a little later on in the show here I'm this it's probably going to be the last trailer I watch because well, I think I got enough of what I wanted to you know the vibe and the feel from it and I don't have really any desire to see any other characters I kind of want to leave that for kind of my first impression sitting in the movie theater are you gonna if they release Spider-Man images are you gonna at least see his costume or are you gonna be like nope eyes blind yeah I'll probably look at his costume I think my yeah. curiosity will get the best of me just to see the kind of the direction they're going um, but other than that, I don't want any context of, of the Spider-Man story, where he fits in, how he's going to play out. I'm hoping it's a glorified cameo, mm-hmm. um, above mm-hmm. anything else. Uh, I don't want to see him playing a pivotal part. I want to leave that. I don't want this to be the Spider-Man show. I want it to be a nice introduction, but I want it to be Cap's movie. 
And my first impression from the trailer is that that's what it's going to be, essentially. Oh, totally, totally. We'll get into the trailer a little bit later. Yeah. But so kind of back at, towards my kind of story. Um, so in 97, George Lucas and company released uh, the special editions of Star Wars and New Hope. This was my real first exposure um, to Star Wars on the big screen. I'd never seen it before. I didn't have any of the VHS tapes or anything like that. Um, and this is when I really consider me taking kind of my first step towards, you know, quote unquote, a nerd kind of lifestyle. <laughs> um, it was your nerd coming out? It, more or less. Um, but after that, I kind of really got into collecting stars action figures. It was the power of the force two was out at that time. And, you know, I really devoured anything that was star Wars. That was kind of the first time I went out hunting for anything beyond kind of, you know, just a, a TV show or a, a single kind of one shot movie. And so I was looking at, I was reading books and I was looking at kind of, you know, comics and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that. And that's something that's kind of, you know, right from then on right through my whole life it's kind of ebbed and flowed as far as intensity uh, but i collect kind of everything kind of the vintage action figures 3.75 <laughs> inch six inch you know everything I, i've even done like the the silly things where you wait outside of toys r us until midnight <laughs> and then you run in and grab what toys you have but i'd say that's kind of my my first step into kind of nerd culture in a big way you know, I've always considered myself a bit nerdy. I've always kind of like, like loved kind of all the sci-fi and all that. But that was that was really my first step. When it comes to comic books, uh, I guess I'm kind of relatively new to the scene, like I kind of had said before. And my avenue into the comic book world was really through the MCU movies. Um, I didn't, I for whatever reason, I missed Iron Man in theaters and stuff like that. <laughs> kind of went right over my head. I don't know what was going on there, but... It was really after seeing uh, the first cat movie um, nice. that I really kind of was like, whoa, I really like this. And <laughs> there's some references in there. And so I went back and checked out the other movies and right, right. You know, really loved it. I love the connectivity that you're seeing, right? This, this idea of a shared cinematic universe I thought was really, really cool. And, you know, one of the things that always got me jacked up was the end credit scene in The Incredible Hulk where uh, Tony Stark shows up. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And the end credit scene in uh, Iron Man 2 when Coulson goes out and sees Thor's hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what really made me kind of fall in love with this whole cinematic universe. And my thinking from there was pretty straightforward. I was like, well, if I really like this, I like the characters, I like kind of the shared universe, I probably like comic books. Yeah, yeah, that's and a pretty safe assumption. So I went in and really it's kind of history from there. So I've been collecting for, you know, since about 2012. Um, and again, I've fallen into the whole collecting trap as it will be <laughs> from, from the Marvel side as well. You know, movie posters, action figures, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's the kind of stuff that fills up my nerd room at home um, as my wife has kind of labeled it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, um, I'm not as big into the action figures as Tim. I do have a little bit. Uh, one thing that I do have is um started collecting movie posters. I don't have as much as Tim is <laughs> there as well. Um, one thing, though, I do think I haven't beat on is DVDs, Blu-rays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, in a big way. <laughs> just just picked up movie seven ninety nine today. Divergent, you know. Let me know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but really enjoy Hunger Games, and this looks like Hunger Games light, so um, looking forward to seeing that one. The sheer quantity of movies that you have there kind of blows my mind. <laughs> 799 different blu-rays dvds what have you you know my collection's got so slim i'm down to just 
basically steelbook collecting at the moment and it's mostly just kind of marvel movies you know and I, usually a couple of the movies throughout the summer like jurassic world i'll grab and the big ones the big ones i'll grab um and i'm also a, a huge proponent of getting the digital copies as well I won't buy a Blu-ray unless it comes with a digital copy. Oh, you're a snob. Yeah, well, I like the idea <laughs> of being able to take it places, particularly yeah. on airplanes and stuff like that. That's true. Um, That's true. Because I don't really download a lot of content or like anything like that anymore. That's So I really do enjoy having that that option of, of being able to take my movies wherever. That That is handy, and it definitely is an advantage. Um, the one thing I don't like about DVDs and uh, the Blu-ray industry right now is that companies are just selling them straight digitally before they come out on DVD and Blu-ray. I think that's not right <laughs> as a DVD Blu-ray collector. I want to get the movies before they come out digitally. And if I'm going to buy them digitally, I want it to be a discount. Why are they the same price if they're the same as a DVD or Blu-ray? You know, they don't have to ship it. They don't have to make a physical product. I will always buy the DVD or Blu-ray. I'll never, you know, if it comes with digital copy, that's even better. I, I'm not. I won't go out of my way to get the digital copy, but I would never just buy the straight digital copy. Maybe you know they're gonna have to drag me kicking and screaming into the 21st century, but I will be there. You know, the last one, holding out, going to buy Blu-ray of like Batman Eight or something in like 20 years. There's nothing like a physical copy of something. It's the same with comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a big proponent of having both a hard copy and a digital copy because I like taking taking them other places or the ability to read you know comics kind of on vacation and stuff like that without having to take a trade or my actual board and bagged comics. Yeah. No, that definitely is handy. And so I, I really do enjoy that part, but I'm with you hundred percent there. There's nothing like physical medium. It's, yeah. it's kind of still the way to go. And that's why I'm doing the steel books, right? It's just yeah. gorgeous art. You get something that's a bit more collectible. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I do, do enjoy them. The ones that uh, have been coming out, especially at Best Buy, have been really nice. They've been putting out some good quality stuff. Yeah, the problem with those sometimes, though, is that like I got to see my wife at 10 a.m. <laughs> they send like a handful of copies, and then they're impossible to get. You go online after, and they're two or three times as much. Yeah. All right, so I think as far as the, kind of the, our, the podcast goes, you know, we're, again, like this is our first podcast, so we're really new to this. But as far as kind of a structure goes, you know, we're looking at maybe kind of producing, you know, an episode every two weeks and kind of laying that out and see how that goes as far as as the amount of content that we're producing. And, you know, for the each individual episode, we plan on really mixing it up. You know, we're doing mm-hmm. things like movie reviews, kind of new movies is also retrospective reviews as we move towards, you know, a big event movie like Civil War or Batman vs Superman doing comic book reviews, kind of almost like a comic book club where we're, we're talking about looking at trades or maybe individual issues or arcs. Sanjay mentioned kind of a little segment we want to do, New to Nerd. You know, again, just chatting, giving some insight to those looking to either expand or really jump headfirst into geek culture, giving some tips in that as far as, you know, what we think is the best way to do that. You know, some people, you know, they always say like, oh, it's kind of intimidating. You know, they go to a comic book shop and they're like, who do I start? There's four volumes of Captain America. Or there's three different Batman comics. And a lot of people are intimidated. But, you know, honestly, I find that everyone has been really friendly. Like, if you just ask questions at the comic book shop, yeah. I mean, everyone is so helpful and so willing to help you out. And it's just, it's intimidating at first because you're literally going in there with nothing. And then... They have, you know, they may have been collecting for 25 years. So I can understand it'd be intimidating. So we really want to help people, you know, bridge that gap and make it a friendlier 
environment to start collecting comics and getting into nerd culture. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time I went to the comic book shop here in Calgary, I I didn't even know there was a new release wall. <laughs> so I had read that this comic book was coming out and I was like, you know, where is it? And I'm kind of scaling through the aisles and that and I'm like and I didn't even realize that there was you got a new comic book Wednesday wall that was sitting right there. <laughs> And it was a bit embarrassing. Well, I eventually did find my way over there. Well, at least you knew it came out on Wednesday. I mean, that's a start. Yeah, it is a start. That's another. That's a. That's a good. Yeah, point. That's, that's a good tip. <laughs> you know, if you're new to collecting, comic books come out every Wednesday. Rain yeah. or rain or shine. Um, even holidays they come out. So yeah, it's good stuff. And then I guess uh, we're also gonna do kind of at the start of each each uh, podcast here, each episode. Um, we're gonna talk a bit about some movie news, some comic book news. Uh, just kind of generally what's going on in kind of the the geek world, and then um, and then kind of do kind of what we're calling an anchor segment, and that'll be a movie review or or something like that. Yeah, and speaking about the anchor segment, you know, we thought it'd be great for in honor of Black Friday that we would go through some of our best comic book deals that we've gotten at either cons, conventions, comic shops, or you know, it doesn't have to be comics. Just some of the great best deals that we found while we were bargain hunting. So should we begin with the walk to the comic shop? Yep. All right, so this is our segment, Walk to the Comic Shop. So every Wednesday, me and Tim meet up at work, and we take, what, about three-kilometer walk? Something like that. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty far, you know. We're pretty fit guys, so. Mm, no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we go to the comic book shop, and on the way, we always discuss the latest news, whether it's movies, comics, anything that's hot at the moment. And so we thought, what better way to name the segment, our around-the-world news segment, that is the walk to the comic shop. So leading off, the big news of the week in terms of geekdom would have to be the Civil War trailer. It hit, and it was amazing. Wow. Blew my brain apart. Like, I was <laughs> vibrating after watching this. Like, my wife was convinced that I was not going to fall asleep. <laughs> Were you, like, pacing back and forth? Like, why are they fighting? They like each other. Oh, I thought it was... Oh, yeah. I just... I don't even, like, I can't even spit out the right words here. I feel like I'm a child of my parents and they're starting to divorce. Like, I'm like, who do I choose? Do I choose Captain America? Do I choose Iron Man? Like, man, I don't know. So you're still torn, eh? I think I'm going to spend Christmases at Iron Man's house and then the other <laughs> holidays at Captain America's house. Yeah, like, July 4th would be great there, right? <laughs> Every second weekend I'll see Cap and then the rest Iron Man will be through the week. I mean, I'd much rather live with Iron Man. He's rich. He doesn't care what you do. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> But, you know, Cap's got the heart. It's true. See, that's why I spend weekends with him, you know. He's my weekend dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put myself on one side or the other, but I'm going to do exactly that right now. I'm on Cap's side here. I'm a big Cap fan. You know, I, I think that's that's the way I'm going to go. If, if you ask me to choose sides, that's the side I'm going to choose. I uh, prefer not to, but I just did, so that's it. <laughs> He's throwing down the gauntlet, ladies and gentlemen. You heard him right here there. first. He just called out Iron Man. No. The devil's advocate, I'll take Iron Man's side. I feel that like Iron Man has a better costume than Cap, for one. I mean, he has all the tech and stuff, so that's really cool. Um, he's also a lot more fun than Cap. Cap's always so serious and kind of stuck up, and Robert Downey Jr. portrays Iron Man so well. So, And, I, you know, he's been there for longer, so I'm going to go with Iron Man. He's kind of the underdog in this film. This is a Cap film. He's kind of being portrayed as the villain, but I don't necessarily think he is the villain. So put me on Team Iron Man's camp. It's got the much stronger looking team from the promo images of that. It's true. It's true. I mean, maybe... Like Vision could just rip people's hearts out. Yeah, it's true. But maybe he won't. Maybe he'll be constrained by his power. 
I don't know. I have a feeling that he's not going to be involved in the last battle. Like, I have a feeling he's going to be, oh, I'm on the side of peace or whatever. He's going <laughs> he, to fly away. He's like the vision of Gandhi. He's like, why can't you just get along? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay for him to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm up to... a. a I'm clocking in at about like 40 views at this point. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I just, I cannot stop watching it. You know, if this podcast got 40 views, I'd be pretty excited. If this podcast got <laughs> four views, then. <laughs> two of them are alive, so that's halfway through. And the other two are us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we made it. Take that. We're there. We're there. Um, no, so Civil War is going to be Marvel's 13th entry. Wow. Into the MCU, which is, which is pretty crazy and it's the closing chapter of the captain america trilogy which if this movie turns out the way i think it's gonna turn out um or the way i'm hoping it turns out uh, i'm gonna have to say right out the gate that this is gonna be probably my one of my favorite trilogies of all time um and but probably easily the best trilogy in the mcu oh definitely i mean you got a great initial setup it's kind of different but it worked and then you got Winter Soldier, which I think is the best MCU movie to date. Yeah, it ranks up there. I, I go between that, Guardians, and Avengers. It's true. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Avengers. How'd you forget about Avengers? Well, you know, I don't know. You're talking about trilogies. I don't know. It just slipped true. my mind. True. You're going to make me take away my nerd card now. Yeah, I have your wallet. <laughs> I don't have a wallet. I just have a satchel and mm. a stick. Well, satchel. Um, yes, but it's it's I guess loosely based. I don't really know. I got kind of the gist of the plot from the trailer, but I'm trying to avoid doing any sort of digging in towards any. I didn't even read the premise that they released, but I guess it's it's kind of loosely based on the Marvel event of the same name. Um, that was written two o six, two o seven. Yeah. Um, we're looking at the first appearance of Spider Man in the MCU as well, which I'm glad they held off from showing. Mm-hmm. Um hoping it doesn't turn into the spider-man show uh, i really want it to be a cap movie what, what would you do if spider-man turned out just to be an actor named trevor <laughs> that would literally be the worst i don't think i could handle that one was enough they, they've gone back and fixed that technically um and i guess also returning to the director's chairs are anthony and joe russo oh, the movie huge. they're making on the way to infinity war so they got the infinity war chair eh? yeah for both movies so, you know, if they can keep up this, what looks like the Winter Soldier tone in this this movie, I think th- these are the right guys to be directing Infinity War. Oh, no doubt. I mean, they did such a good job with Winter Soldier. They really have that political kind of thriller down packed. I mean, they did such a great job. I can't see them making screwing this up. I mean, it's bona fide to be a hit. Oh, yeah, and I think you, you've put, like, these particular characters, and, like, it's really cool that they got Tony Stark. Tony Stark. I think he is Tony Stark. Robert <laughs> Denny Jr. to come back and play Robert Denny Jr. as Tony Stark. Um, and I think that's great. And I know from just what I've read that that wasn't something that was always in the mix of things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that just came together within the last couple of years. And I'm really happy we're seeing this. You know, I've heard people would maybe have preferred this to be kind of Avengers Civil War, but I'm happy that they're keeping this as kind of a cap story. It's really cool too. I, you know, I'm loving the Bucky scenes in the trailer. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interaction between um, Cap and Bucky. That first scene looks oh, like yeah. it's right out of the uh, the Ant Man end credit scene, which I guess was a scene that was taken right out of Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> it's Inception. It's a yeah. scene within a scene within a scene. Exactly. 
Um, and it looks like we're seeing Bucky captured for one reason or another. It looks like from my from what I'm seeing is that he's being blamed for some incident, um, and they're coming at him to to finally take him away. I don't know if this is from past incidents or has Easy being blamed for something new. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You see that explosion scene. It looks like sort of like a UN or yeah. something there. Maybe he's the one who caused it, or who knows? But uh, definitely, yeah, you said he is definitely being blamed for something. Yeah, and then we see General Ross returning. General Ross of Incredible Hulk fame. <laughs> was he in uh, Ang Lee's Hulk? Do you know? No, no. He's this guy that was... I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I should know that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We'll put that in in post. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's a, he was in Incredible Hulk. He was kind oh, okay. of the main antagonist there. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Now I remember him. His uh, daughter was uh, Steven Tyler's daughter. Yeah, exactly. I don't think she's returning. Um, and then we're seeing, I guess, some form of the MCU's Human Registration Act. Um, basically trying to put some handcuffs and some limits on on the Avengers in particular. And then I guess that's where we're seeing kind of Cap go on one side and Iron Man go on the other side. Lots of action uh, in the trailer. We're seeing, you know, Bucky fighting Black Panther, whom we see for the first time. Thoughts on, on the costume? Oh, his costume looks great. I think he probably has the best costume besides Iron Man in that film. Oh, yeah, and I... I imagine there's going to be a little bit of CG editing in that, um, but his costume looks great. And that scene where he's he's chasing Bucky and then Cap is chasing Black Panther, it looks like he's got some sort of, I don't know if it's super soldier, but at least looks like he's enhanced because the way he's running. Oh, totally, yeah. He's outrunning Captain America. No one outruns Captain America. Not on the regular. Um, and then we see kind of Rhodey all messed up from the battle that looks like it was at some sort of airport or something like that. Um, he sees arc reactor tear, torn out. And oh, then yeah, kind of the yeah. next scene is Bucky going after Iron Man's arc reactor. Man, Bucky doesn't mess around. Like he goes straight for the heart. He's not. He's not like one of those guys that's like he's going to torture you, like kill you, and you know kill you slowly. Bucky just goes straight for the heart. He's a trained assassin. He is, and I'm loving the stuff with Bucky here. Like I think he's going to be again one of the breakout characters in this movie, and you know he could be one of the ones that the shield gets passed to post phase three. Which would be interesting. Are you saying if you had a choice now, you know, who do you think is more likely to be Captain America once Steve Rogers retires? Bucky or Falcon? That's assuming he retires. I have another oh. prediction, but I'll keep that one to myself. Right <laughs> um, he, he'll wait till it actually comes out and then he'll be like, nope, that's what I said. That's what I predicted. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> it was in my head. I, how do I prove it? It's not like there's a microphone in front of me where I can record it forever. <laughs> if you pay two ninety nine, <laughs> you will get Tim's thoughts. No, I'm just kidding. Um... I don't know. I'm thinking, I thought for the longest time that Falcon was being lined up to take the Captain America kind of helm. And the comic books are going that way, or have gone that way. And I'm really liking what they've done with, with Falcon and that. Um, but after seeing this trailer, I'm leaning a bit more towards Bucky. Like, Sebastian Stan, he signed on for nine MCU movies. There's going to be nine more after um, Cap 3. Well, At it's nine, nine movies that he's included oh, in. So okay. if he's in uh, Avengers Infinity War, yeah, that's yeah. one and two. Oh, okay. And then yeah. he's in Winter Soldier, Civil War. So up there, that's four. Wow. And then you could theoretically see if he takes up the mantle, him doing another trilogy, you know, or at least maybe trying one to see how it goes. Um, so I'm really, I'm leaning more that way now. But seeing Falcon with the suit on would be great holding the shield. You know, that's... And Anthony Mackie, again, another great actor. 
who I believe signed on for quite a few movies as well. So I wouldn't be heartbroken either way. I think they're <laughs> they're they're both worthy of the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just see. I guess still coming out of Civil War, we'll know a lot more as to you know who's being hinted at towards picking this up. Great. Um, and then the last thing, the last scene. Oh man, that fight! Man, it's I I've probably rewound and watched that. You know, of the forty times I've gone back and doubled up on that scene. You know that fight where you see Bucky and Cap taking on Iron Man, like and tossing a shield back and forth, and just the pace of it. And then you've got the music in the background, and that line by Iron Man. You know when Cap oh, yeah. says, "You know he's my friend," and Tony says, "So was I." Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that that goes right to the heart. Yeah, it's it's something else. So, well, before we conclude that, highest grossing movie twenty sixteen is it going to be Civil War? Yes, or you're calling. I'm calling it right now. I'm saying it's going to outgross Batman vs Superman. This is coming from a DC guy. Folks. I strictly read nothing but DC. Okay, you've outed me of my DC bias, but. Here's why I think Captain America is going to make more. The reaction I've seen from this trailer has been nothing but positive. Everyone has loved it. The reaction I've seen from Batman vs Superman? DC has to go in there and convince viewers this is going to be a great movie. Viewers are going to go into Captain America 3 thinking it's going to be a great movie. And it has to be convinced otherwise that it's going to be a crap movie. So I think off the hop, Cap 3's got it. I'm not saying in terms of what I'll like more. I'm just saying in terms of audience and just stuff I've heard on social media and across the interwebs. Cap 3, I'm calling it right now. Highest grossing comic book movie or highest grossing movie? Highest grossing movie. Okay. Period. I have to see. I can't remember what else comes out. I know Rogue One comes out, so that's going to be a big one. Is that... That's a Star Wars kind of in-between movie, so it takes place before episode four. Star Wars? Yeah. What's that? Are you going to tell people this? <laughs> no, no. We'll wait for episode two. Okay. The well, Phantom well. Menace. Yeah. That's right, right? No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you a little secret at some point in time here, but we'll leave that for... We'll leave you kind of hanging on that one. <laughs> I'm sure they could put two and two together. <laughs> that, that'll be another day. So we'll start now with um, some Wonder Woman news. Wonder Woman is kind of being portrayed as the Captain America of the DCU. So we just got some set photos released. Gal Gadot posted a photo of her in a blue robe. And the first thing I saw, or the first thing I thought of when I saw the image, was Infinite Crisis. Now, Infinite Crisis was an event that DC put out maybe 10, 15 years ago. And in the first issue, Wonder Woman is seen wearing a blue cape. Now, these are going to be some spoilers of the story. But again, it's I think it's past two months. Two months so we can tell it well you can just pause it here go read infinite crisis and then come back <laughs> it's but only... come back don't <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to see your viewers at like 2.5 or something we really need all the viewers we can get um so in infinite crisis wonder woman so wonder woman is faced with a decision a villain has superman under mind control and wonder woman has a lasso of truth around the villain's neck the lasso of truth is probably one of wonder woman's most famous tools Anybody caught within the lasso is compelled to tell the complete truth. No one is able to beat the lasso and tell a lie. It's just impossible and it's never been done. Which is kind of interesting because the creator of Wonder Woman actually helped create the lie detector test. So this is a situation where life is kind of imitating art, which is kind of imitating life. Now, knowing that he can only tell the truth, Wonder Woman asks the villain, 
how can I get you to stop using mind control on Superman? And he answers, kill me. So without hesitation, Wonder Woman snaps his neck. Now while she's doing this, this is being broadcast live across the world. And that kind of sets off the chain of events of Infinite Crisis. To this date, it remains probably my favorite event. It was just so well done. So I'm wondering if this might play into a little bit of the movie. Because not a lot of people may know this, but the movie starts off in World War I. And I'm wondering, does Wonder Woman do something that kind of maybe creates World War I? Is DC going to go back and change something where Wonder Woman does something and then that's how World War I gets started? Then she goes out in hiding and then comes back in modern day? I don't know. Just a prediction, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, Tim, you're more of a Marvel guy. I don't even know if you've read a Wonder Woman comic before. I'm going to say no. I've had them recommended by you several times. Every time I recommend <laughs> read Wonder Woman. It was literally for a while there the best comic DC was putting out, hands down. But it's so hard sometimes with like this enormous pull list and even the thought of sliding in DC is kind of like, ah, it's too much. It's not because I don't want to read the stories in that. He, but... he has a little Stanley bobblehead, and every time he reads a DC comic, he looks at it, and he gets that shaking nod of disapproval, and he just puts it down. Yeah, it makes me feel really, really weird. <laughs> it's also really weird to have a Stanley bobblehead. <laughs> True believer? Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the worst Stanley <laughs> I liked it. You're not cutting that out. <laughs> Um, so is this movie actually taking place in World War One or two? I saw that Captain Kirk had something, or what's his name, Chris Pine, mm-hmm. had some wearing some sort of fatigues or whatever they were. Um, so I'm not quite sure of Wonder Woman's origins, really. Uh, do they date back to those in the comic books, or are they kind of putting that in? Are they kind of going for a little period piece here? Is this going to be, or do you have any idea? Is this going to be kind of like a cap where the majority of it is set in World War One or Two, and then there's something that happens and zip the end credit scene or whatever is Wonder Woman in present day? Because um, I guess they got to work around Batman vs Superman too, right? Right. Um, so I'll start with their origins. I've heard that they're going to use the New Fifty Two origin, which is a little bit different from her previous origin. So in the New Fifty Two, she's actually the daughter of Zeus, and okay, let's see if I can pronounce this. Hippolyta, that's pretty good, the queen of the Amazons, and it involves a lot of Greek mythology. She's constantly interacting with other Greek gods. Now, I said other Greek gods because she has become the god of war. Now, some other gods are on her side and trying to help her, while others are strictly against her and are her enemy. Luckily for Wonder Woman, she was trained since birth to be a warrior, growing up fighting alongside all the other Amazons on the island of Themyscira. Um, so they're going to use the New 52 origin, which I think is a great idea. Because their previous origin, she was made out of clay, and then, I don't know, she was given... some. It was some weird origin, but they really made it better with New 52. Made out of clay? What are you talking about? Yeah, her, she was made out of clay. That's She had the longest time. Her nickname was Clay. I don't know. Amazons don't really get out much, so their insults aren't that great. This is why <laughs> I haven't read a one <laughs> So the one thing is, though, it is going to be World War One. We've seen some posters and some other stuff to suggest that it will be set in World War One, And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Having Steve Trevor be the Peggy Carter of the DCU, it's going to be a little weird. I mean, he plays such an integral part of the DC universe. He leads up Argus. Unless Chris Pine's going to be maybe the father or the grandfather. 
and then they're going to have a new Steve Trevor in the Justice League movies or something? They're not going to do one of these things where he's the same guy and he looks identical to his grandfather in Little <laughs> One, eh? Maybe they just freeze him and then they unthaw him and he's perfectly fine. See, that makes sense to me. <laughs> they might be setting up a Wonder Woman and Superman relationship, just like the new 52. So maybe Steve Trevor will kind of be the first man to take her around and show her man's world and then later on once he's gone she falls for a big blue that could that could happen i could see that happening mm, so she's basically or he is basically peggy carter yeah he's pretty much the peggy carter of the dcu agent captain kirk <laughs> so tim after uh, not reading a wonder woman comic and seeing the casting news and some of the set photos on a scale of one to ten how likely are you to see this opening day Opening day, uh, you know, I'm probably a little bit more towards a six or a seven. Opening weekend, yeah, I'll see it opening weekend for sure. You're not uh, camping out on Thursday night to see the pre-sale? We don't have to do that anymore, man. Reserve <laughs> seats. We've only done that a few times, but now they give us the seats you can reserve three months in advance. Isn't that a godsend? Like, <sighs> I remember, okay, Spider-Man 3, I was so jacked to see that movie. I skipped classes, waited out for over two hours. My then-girlfriend, who's now my wife came uh she wasn't waiting in line with me so she came like half an hour before the movie started and waited in line but i was there literally two hours and then i got there i was so excited and the movie was terrible so now i don't have to do that so reserve seating yay theaters keep it up yeah it should be in every single theater not not just imax or avx or whatever it's in it should be everything that would be awesome all right so does that cover wonder woman yeah, I think that's that's about it for now until we get some more set photos or even maybe a little, little trailer teaser. What do you think? Yeah. Batman vs. Superman, they'll have a little teaser? And there's supposed to be something coming out tomorrow in between Gotham of Batman vs. Superman, so make mm -hmm. sure you check it out tomorrow, guys. Well, wait, this isn't going to air tomorrow <laughs> today. So go go back in time and rewatch it yeah. as we've recommended it. But remember, we recommended it. And maybe tell me some of like football scores and stuff too before. The Almanac. We'll get to Back to <laughs> the Future at some point in time. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Gal's casting? Great choice? Bad choice? Interesting choice? I'm going to say interesting. Um, she's all right in the Furious movies, or Fast and Furious movies, whatever they're called. Um, having not you know, a real attachment or an idea of what the character should be, um, I'm real... I struggle a bit with giving an opinion on that. Like the said photos and that from Batman vs Superman and this, they look great. Like I think she, she kind of fills in that role pretty good. Um, but whether or not she's going to be a great Wonder Woman, I'm going to have to leave that and kind of see. I think it'll be a real test for it. Is if, I think if I really enjoy her portrayal of it, I think that'll give a little more credence to actually how well she's doing. You know, not that I'm the be-all and end-all. <laughs> You're not the of, Wonder of, Woman expert? <laughs> no, I'm not really a judge or anything like that when it comes to acting. But I think if she can convince me that she's Wonder Woman, I think that'll, that'll go a long way as towards her, her actual portrayal of the character. No, I'm buying it hook, lie, and sinker. I'm calling it right now. I call a lot of things if you don't know already. But I'm calling it right now. She's going to be the breakout in Batman vs. Superman. She's going to steal the thunder from Batman and Superman. And this movie is going to be a hit. It's going to be the first good female superhero movie ever. It's better. It's going to be better than Catwoman. I mean, I already know it's better than Catwoman. It's going to be better than Elektra. It's going to be better than Supergirl. It's already the best female superhero movie. Just literally give me one picture of Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman costume. Boom. Best movie. 
female superhero movie. It's that easy. I mean, how has there not been a good female superhero movie? We've had a talking raccoon and a tree, and it was amazing. Is it that much harder to give me a female superhero movie? And there's so many to choose from. You got Black Widow, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel. Um, oh, geez. Oh, I said there's so many, and I draw a blank. Uh, Supergirl, uh, Batgirl. Um, can you think of any others that uh, would be great? No, I'm think, trying to think of the current MCU roster, and I don't think like someone like Scarlet Witch or Agent 13 or anything like that could really support a movie. You could probably throw Black Widow into a movie, and she could support it. Um, but again, she seems to be like this continuum through the MCU movies. She seems to appear in almost everything. Um, Iron, like she has to be one of the only ones that's in an Iron Man movie, cat movies, and also like kind of the, the tentpole Avenger movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, again, we might not always have kind of this directly female led, um, superhero movies, but we have, this seems like this constant thread of very strong, powerful women in these, in these movies. So I'm not always clamoring for this kind of idea of we have to have this amazing female-led superhero movie. We have a ton of really strong females. And even the, the Marvel shows do a really good job at that. Um, the Peggy Carter, which is a huge fan favorite, really good show. Mm -hmm. There's very strong females on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, another one. Another really strong female um, character that's that which by the way that is a huge recommend i'd go check that out even if you're not really into kind of marvel movies and stuff like that but again why would you be listening to this <laughs> um, <laughs> shut up we need all the viewers we can get <laughs> <laughs> but again it does it has it kind of has some nice loose ties and but christian Ritter is awesome as jessica jones she kind of really plays this kind of this depressed drunk retired superhero kind of um really dark character um, really well, you know, high recommend for me. Uh, so go check that out. But again, kind of rounding that out, I think, yes, we do need, um, going, kind of going back to myself here. We do need <laughs> this strong superhero kind of, or this female superhero led, uh, movie. But again, I, I don't want to discredit all of the, the females that we do have currently in the universes. I just think it's getting better and better. And I think, you know, once we start getting their own movies that they're own led, it's just, it's just going to continue to to push forward uh, these characters and, and really show a bit more dynamic and all that and some more range in them, I guess. Well, I'm just holding out for the day we finally get the Dazzler movie. It's coming. You know, it's inevitably going to come at some point. I heard rumors that Taylor Swift was going to play Dazzler. She's going to show up. Is Dazzler held by Fox? Yeah, yeah. So she's going to be in the X-Universe. She's mutant? Yeah, she, uh, she has the ability to turn, I think, music into light. Very handy. Um... <laughs> you know name one time that would have been <laughs> handy for you oh hey i'm out in the woods camping and my flashlight has out of batteries oh i'm gonna sing a song boom light saw the bear saved your life okay the only time i can ever think that being useful you come in you listen to your phone it's the middle of the night and you can't find your freaking charger cord <laughs> so anyways um, so I think that's good on Wonder Woman for now. Um, should we? Do we have time for a little bit of Doctor Strange? Yeah, I think we can round out with Doctor Strange here. All right, let's finish um, off with okay. the Doctor. All right, so we got Doctor Strange coming to the MCU. It's again he was he's been teased numerous times um, in various movies. We have the Eye of Agamotto, 
in uh, Odin's vault in Thor 1. I think I said that right. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, he's actually name-dropped in Winter Soldier. And here we are. We're finally getting our first kind of unofficial, um, be that, set photos. Um, we're seeing Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, are you a uh, Cumberbitch? Yes, I really, really <laughs> enjoy that guy's acting. I think he's a great choice for oh, uh, yeah. Doctor Strange. Absolutely. I think he was the best choice. I think if you didn't choose him, everyone would be like, why wouldn't you choose Cumberbatch? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, looking at the cast here, Marvel seemingly has assembled kind of one of the most difficult to name cast list in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> um, it's, you know, some of these... Uh, you know, we also see in the set photos, uh, EG4, or no, sorry, backwards, Chi 12. I'm not even going to say it. Um, the guy from 12 Years of Slave. <laughs> oh, is he in that? Yeah, he's Baron Mordo. Oh, um, I know him. He was in the uh, Spider Man animated movie, or not animated movie, the animated TV show. Doctor Strange had one episode. Yeah. Um, the Mads Mickelson just got announced. Rachel McAdams is in it. So it looks like a great kind of cast it's being directed by scott derrickson um who's you know for marvel kind of an odd choice he's a horror director oh really what has he done uh he's done um and he's done one of those kind of weird slasher some exorcism movies i think oh okay yeah um, yeah maybe i don't know well it's going into like the magic and the dark universe of the d or of the mcu so that that's a good choice yeah, something different. That's what I'm kind of happy about the director choice is that it is different. Um, so hopefully we'll get something kind of cool out of it. Again, I'm not a uh, kind of a huge reader of, of Doctor Strange. I've never read anything solo. Um, but I have read him in the recent Hickman run on New Avengers, uh, where he's part of the Illuminati. He's pretty good in there. And he's been a big part in Secret Wars, um, the big Marvel comic event. It still hasn't finished. <laughs> what is it? Started with eight, and now it's on to issue nine. Yeah, what's well, I think they're going to release eight soon here, and it's just the problem is is that they're releasing post Secret Wars comics, which I, I refuse to read because <laughs> uh, I don't want to be swelled with anything, and that includes a a Doctor Strange solo, which I do have a copy of, but I have yet to read it. So I'm hearing good things about it. Um, oh, there's a new Doctor Strange solo. Yeah, so they just released maybe a month ago or something like that um so maybe something to check out it's it's big yellow cover and dr strange's got a big huge axe i'm gonna read it and spoil it for you like, oh. did you know dr strange is an actor named trevor this whole time <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um yeah so i don't the, my hype for this one is probably lower than it's been um for other marvel movies but at that you know i'm sure once we get the first teaser and we start seeing actual footage in that um i think you're, the hype's gonna kind of get jacked up a bit get uh, hyped up hopefully yeah exactly <laughs> hopefully we see maybe a teaser at san diego or maybe attached to civil war um you know we might see a post-credit sequence in civil war for dr strange because it immediately follows it uh, and that's the way they usually go mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so that would be interesting to see uh but i'm i'm excited for it um i'm optimistic about it that's for sure how could you not i mean they haven't had a miss yet so you know Sign me up. I'll be there opening day. As will I. Well, are we at the comic shop yet? Yep. So that concludes the walk to the comic shop. Now let's uh, look at some box office numbers, shall we? So each time we uh, have an episode, we're going to go through the top five highest grossing movies of this weekend and kind of discuss if we've seen them, if we plan to see them, 
um, give it a little bit of a review if we've seen it and uh, if we're going to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. So this will just be a quick hitters. All right, Tim, number five, the Peanuts movie. You a big Peanuts guy? Nah. Well, really? I was when I was little. I haven't seen a Peanuts thing in forever. <laughs> the one thing that really took me off was the computer animation. I mean, the traditional stuff when you had like a Charlie Brown Christmas or a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, man, those stuff is just great. But the computer stuff, I don't know. It's like the Smurfs and the Chipmunks. I never saw any of those. But if they were traditional animation, I would have been there. Uh, number four, Spectre. You a Bond guy? Uh, yeah, maybe a little. Yeah? You see Skyfall? Yeah, oh, yeah. Skyfall was great. It was good. I have a, I'm having a real issue with Bond recently, though. Daniel Craig? I like Daniel Craig. My problem is Bond has all his destiny now. It's really bothering me. Like, he's set up to always be Bond. There's, so there's a fan theory that I really liked. That I don't know when it was put on the internet or whatever. That... Um, Bond, like James Bond, the name you got when you acquired the 007 signature. Right, I and heard so that. It kind of explained, you know, why Bond was always looked different, why it was Sean Connery, why it was Pierce Brosnan, why it's Daniel Craig now. And I kind of really like that. But Skyfall kind of erased any possibility of that with him having this huge destiny. And apparently Spectre is just going to continue on, on with that. So I'll definitely see it um, at some point, but I'm not going to rush out to the theaters or anything like that. Yeah, there's nothing groundbreaking. You know what you're going to get in a Bond film. You got the girl, you got the car, you got the gadgets, you got the villain. He goes globetrotting and everyone. He can never just stay in the same place. Like his passport must be changed every couple of weeks. Yeah, but also Daniel Craig is humongous. Like that guy would kick the shit out of anything. <laughs> even, even Drax the Destroyer. If you could cast... Daniel Craig in a comic book film uh besides Road to Perdition because he was already in that and it was great but if you had to cast him right now in either MC or DCU who would you cast him as Ooh, that's a tough question um I don't know his kick-ass nature makes me want to make him a more grounded character because mm-hmm. uh, my first thought is maybe send him out to a Guardians like a Captain Marvel or something like that um, ah, I don't know. You got thoughts? You know, I was thinking Batman would be the obvious choice, but you know, maybe a villain. He seems like yeah, I think he would play a good villain. I'm gonna go with Venom in the MCU, or Mister Freeze in the DCU. All right, coming in at number three, we have Creed. You big Rocky guy? Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about this movie. It looks great. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan of Fantastic Four or Fan Fantastic, however you wanna call it. <laughs> fame uh i hear he does a great job in here and he put on like 20 some odd pounds of muscle to play this he looks good i feel like kids these days you know i think like the rocky series isn't as cool as it was growing up when i was growing up rocky was the be all end all everyone loved rocky i mean everyone wanted to be rocky which which one is your favorite rocky movie rocky four for sure oh ivan drago yeah oh man how sick is that when he's training in Siberia and he's doing like all like the sit-ups and he's pulling all the rocks and he's got the beard going? I mean, man, Rocky single-handedly stopped the Cold War. Yeah, he saved America. Kids, if you're listening to this and your teacher asks what saved the Cold War, you say Rocky Four. Rocky punched it right in the face. He took that intolerance and he punched it into submission. All right, coming in at number two, we have The Good Dinosaur. Tim? Are you a Pixar guy? Oh, yeah. Love the Pixar movies. Oh, man. We saw Inside Out opening day in Los Angeles. We didn't plan on it. It just happened. 
That movie was fantastic. Probably one of the best Pixar movies. I'd say it's my favorite. Yeah, I've yet to see that one. But again, like looking at, I love the Toy Story trilogy. All those are great. Like they're they're so good, and mm-hmm. there's always that little humor in there for adults, and the animation's great. Interesting thing. I'm not sure if this is an actual fact or not, but I think this is the first Pixar movie to not debut at number one. I may be wrong there. You know, I think you're right. I can't see any other movie. I mean, Cars probably did, Frozen. Oh, wait, was that Pixar? Anyways, Frozen was number Frozen one. Frozen wasn't, no. It was a, it's under the Disney banner, but it's yeah. not actually a, a Pixar movie. You got Up, you got Fantastic Four. I mean, Incredibles, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, but to be honest with you, this is one that, it's, it's kind of the first time, it, it just doesn't seem... Like, I don't get a Pixar vibe off it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on this one. You know, I would normally say pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray, but one thing is Disney movies are so expensive. So, you know, I only pick up the favorites like Aladdin or Lion King. So this one may be a rental. Yeah, I'll probably check it out at some point. I'm a huge dinosaur fan, so... That's true. It could be... Yeah, I think it has some potential there, but... We'll go to a, we'll go to Blockbuster and pick it up. Yeah, I'm sure my daughter will make me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number one, no surprise, Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. What are your thoughts? Haven't seen it. Um, I'll probably wait till this one comes out on Blu-ray. Um, I'm a big, I really liked all the books. Um, the Mockingjay book is, is good. But the Part 1, I think, was the weakest of the ones I've seen. Um, it seemed like a two-hour trailer, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, it was just setting up this one. So I was coming into this one really hyped, really excited. We actually just saw it last night and super excited for it. And it didn't quite meet my expectations. You know, I think still the second one was definitely the best. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. It was yeah. good um, having not seen this one. But I would uh, just from what I'm hearing and stuff like that. <laughs> but I will eventually check this out for sure. Just to kind of finish off the saga or whatever they're calling it. Um, but I'm not right again. I'm not rushing out to see this. No, I don't think you're alone. This one here is not making as much money as the previous ones. Same with Spectre, not making as much money as Skyfall. So it seems like these franchises, we may be getting a little bit of fatigue from them. Speaking about franchises, was there a Force Awakens trailer in front of this? No. Oh, missed opportunity. But there was a Divergent trailer. So, you know, I'm really pumping that train. I don't know why. Like, I'm going to try and make it a thing. It's going to catch on. The four people who listen to this podcast are going to all run out and buy Divergence mm-hmm. on DVD. Um, okay. So, so is that it for our box office report? Should we go to our next segment? Yeah. All right. Let's check it out. All right. And now moving into our next segment is the new to nerd. So today we thought we would recommend some good books to start out reading with because you got to start somewhere. And so me being a DC guy, Tim being a Marvel guy, I'll probably talk more about DC and Tim will probably talk more about Marvel. Makes sense. So do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll take a little stab here. So I'm going to come at this from um, the Marvel angle, like Sanjay was saying. Um, I'm just going to kind of quickly, I think we will make me round out some of these segments a little more as we go into future episodes. But one of the things that I found the most difficult to understand was coming in was, you know, where do you start you know, you got multiple volumes. You've got, in some cases, like Avengers and that, you've got 350 plus um, issues. You know, where do you start? Do you go back 
So my initial thoughts was maybe I'll just go right back to <laughs> Avengers number one. You're crazy. You started <laughs> off at Avengers number one. Well, I started there, but I didn't get very far. <laughs> they're very difficult to read. You know, they're very of the time. Yeah. Um, these are Silver Age comics, and they are very much Silver Age comics. Uh, the dialogue's a bit clunky sometimes, but these are classic stories. They're, they're quite good. You know, the first bit's good. And then when you get into the kind of the the 50s and that, you get into kind of Ultron's origins and stuff like that. But again, I wouldn't recommend jumping right directly into. That's something I feel you go back to. So for jumping into Marvel, I'd really recommend Hickman's recent run on Avengers um, and new Avengers at that as well. Um, if you have some familiarity with some of the Avengers like Cap and Iron Man, it's a great story to jump directly into. You kind of get this rounding out and this expanding of the Avengers as they kind of move even more cosmically um, into fighting villains and protecting Earth and becoming really Earth's protectors. And we even have the Avengers going into their most difficult situation. You know, they've been all around the universe. They fought Thanos, Galactus, Red Skull, Doctor Doom. But they never faced a situation as dire as they did in, I think, was it issue six? Something like that, I can't remember. Where they actually spent the entire day in Regina. Mind baffling, like, that they survived that. They've never had anything that, you know, that dangerous before or after. This is very true, and this was the culmination of the run. I wouldn't recommend, no, just kidding. <laughs> the whole run leads up to them going to Regina, <laughs> sitting there, going to a Riders game, wearing a different color jersey. And getting beat up. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that leads into the Infinity event, which was one of the best events I've read in a long time. Sorry, Tim. Can you explain a little bit more about what an event is? Yeah, sure. So an event, from the kind of comic perspective, is kind of an overarching arc where we see that it expands kind of beyond a single issue, and we're seeing kind of a major big threat, something like a Thanos or a Galactus, and it kind of takes place in its own kind of book, as well as ties into the individual ongoing issues. It's kind of, like I said, this overarching arc that takes place over several issues. And it kind of culminates with usually some sort of great big change to the, as it be the Marvel Universe or something like that. And so we see some sort of change in status quo. We see character developments. We see new villains being kind of born and, you know, heroes getting different powers, stuff like that. So it's, it's and they, they happen, you know, two, three times a year. We seem to be, in the last couple of years, at least, always building towards some sort of event. Mm -hmm. um, Especially at the big two. It seems like every year there's at least one or two big events. And, you know, they can be a little bit intimidating and you can suffer from event fatigue. But when they're done right, I think there's no better book than when it combines the entire universes of the DC or Marvel universes together to fight a common threat. I love that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of events and crossovers. Um, you know, some people don't like them and think we get them too frequently. But I'm, I'm quite happy with what we've got in the last little bit. And it's uh, I think they're just a lot of fun. Except for they're, you know, just weigh quite heavily on your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> our, our wives are listening. We can't say that. They're free. Yeah. They give them out for free if All you're listening. Them. Yeah, they just throw them at us. <laughs> Read this. You guys podcast now. Review it. That's one of the mistakes I made when I first got into reading comics. It was... I decided, you know, when an event came along, I was going to buy the self-contained event issues plus every single tie-in. And that was a mistake. Because uh, oh, yeah. some of them are stories that I don't partic wasn't particularly interested in. And also, you're looking at 
buying 10 comic books a week almost especially for big events oh and there's nothing worse than saying oh comic book tie-in and then it's like the main villain is the background character in one panel and you're like i paid 3.99 to get this like no that is one of the most infuriating things yeah usually if it's done right you'll have kind of a self-contained event series and then you'll have one or two other books that tie heavily into it like for the infinity event that happened a couple years ago all you really needed to read was the new avengers and avengers run because hickman was writing all three and they tied together really well you saw some other individuals there's a couple guardians books and stuff like that um that add to the story um but sometimes they're not completely necessary but by all means if you're really into getting the full spectrum of the story get all the tie-ins but it's gonna cost you yeah would you recommend waiting for the graphic novel to come out where it ties it in together for you or are you more of a single issue guy i'm a single issue guy i uh i collect everything single issue even kind of events from the past including civil war and stuff like that i've gone back and collected the single issues um trades are good because they're relatively inexpensive especially for some of the older events and you get the full spectrum of the story um going the single issue way sometimes they're a bit more difficult to read uh, mm-hmm. because you're having to wait and sometimes you're a couple weeks or in the, the case of the secret wars there's been some delays and you know you're almost a month out sometimes for from your last issue so really you have to kind of go back and reread a few issues but the benefit of the trade is that you get to read the whole event right at once i had another book that i'd recommend jumping into um, is ed brubaker's run of captain america now this came out a couple years ago and i can't remember exactly when but um, it's a great jumping on point for Captain America fans. You kind of get Cap in his, you know, his prime in Cap stories, fighting Hydra. And this is when you start to see uh, the Winter Soldier coming into the mix. And so that's a great run there. Um, some of the back issues are harder to find. Another place is the... is. Oh, the, sorry. Before you continue, Tim, just one tidbit I'd like to add. If you're a big fan of the Gotham TV show, a lot of the stuff they pull is from Brubaker's run. He created a series called Gotham Central where it focused more on the Gotham Police Department. That's how they kind of got a lot of their stories for the show Gotham. So if you're a fan of Gotham, you're probably going to like this Brubaker run. And if you're a big fan of Marvel Cosmic, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, you know, a place I'd recommend jumping into is Abbott and Lanning's kind of whole event run and their new Guardians of the Galaxy um, issues. So that's looking at Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2008 run, all fantastic. And this is where a lot of the stuff from the movies is drawn from. So again, you don't need to have, because it's not an Avengers or a Spider-Man or an X-Men book, you don't need to have this big kind of history behind it all. You can kind of jump right into this and you start to get introduced to characters like Nova, uh, Drax, and a, like a kind of a new, new age Drax, uh, Star-Lord, Peter Quill. Um, and you start to get a real feel for the characters. And uh, that's, you know, if you like the cosmic, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, that's a great place to start. And I'd start with, really, there's a Drax mini, four-issue Drax miniseries, but it's Annihilation, I think, where you can jump into. And then kind of the Guardians picks up after Annihilation Conquest, which is the, the follow-up to Annihilation. They're both what I would consider kind of event comics. But if you go back and grab those, those are great, great places to jump on for Marvel Cosmic. And that really kind of spun out kind of the whole, you know, reinvigorated cosmic portion of Marvel. And we're still seeing ties to that today in the Guardians books and Nova and stuff like that. So again, if you want to go back, that's a good place to jump on to. Great. So I'll go a little bit more of the DC side. 
So DC, about September, I think it was 2011, they came out with something called their New 52 universe. And this is what I would recommend getting into at first. I mean, DC has a lot of history before, but with New 52, they started at one, issue one. And the first book I would recommend, no-brainer, is Jeff Johns and Jim Lee's Justice League graphic novel Origin. Now I'm suggesting the graphic novel here because some of those single issues, because they are number ones and twos, can be a little pricey. So definitely recommend going, starting with the graphic novel. You get the first six issues in it. You could probably pick it up at Amazon for about 15 bucks, but it's definitely a must read. And what's so great about this is, you know, the villain here, Darkseid turns out to be the big baddie, but he has millions. Spoiler. <laughs> it's been more than two months. <laughs> But he has millions of these parademons, which are kind of like the Avengers movie with the Shatari. And so they're kind of mindless aliens, so you don't feel bad if they just kill them all. So it's really cool, because each issue, they kind of focus on a different character. So first issue is Batman and Green Lantern, their first meeting. And then it gets in a little bit of Wonder Woman, Superman. There's a really great Aquaman scene in there that really turned me into an Aquaman fan. You just have to see it. It's amazing. So is Darkseid Thanos? Or like Thanos? Well, actually, young buck, Darkseid came first. Thanos is like Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> Viewers, write in. Who do you like more, Darkseid or Thanos? I'm a Thanos guy, for sure. One of my favorite villains. Anyways, we get that another time. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Next next issue, Darkseid versus Thanos. Which rock demon god do you like more? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely start with the new 52. Another book I'm going to suggest with this movie coming out next year, and it's probably going to be a hit as well, is Suicide Squad. So with their volume one, Kicked in the Teeth, it gives you an outline of several of the characters that you'll see in the movie. So it has a little bit of Harley Quinn, a little bit of Deadshot, a little bit of El Diablo. Um, it's got Amanda Waller in it. It's a pretty basic story, but it definitely delves into the characters. It tells you a little bit more about what the Suicide Squad is. Um, it's a great story. It involves Amanda Waller. I think she's going to be a great character. She's kind of like the Nick Fury of the DC Universe. Interesting. She also knows how to get away with murder. <laughs> so start with that. It's called Kicked in the Teeth. That's kind of what I did. And then you can kind of branch out as well. When you kind of get a basic idea of the characters like Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, then you can go back to the pre-52 universe and read up on those characters. But if you go in right away, it might be a little bit too daunting. Like, near the end, Dick Grayson was actually Batman. And so if you don't really know that, it can be kind of confusing. So definitely recommend. Go with the New 52. All the big people are still all the superheroes. So Bruce Wayne's Batman, Clark Kent's Superman, um, Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. But there's still all the other Green Lanterns out there. That's a whole other issue on its own. Um, but definitely recommend New 52. Start with Justice League Origin. And then Suicide Squad kicked in the teeth. So that does it for New to Nerd for today. Um, should we go to our Black Friday deals? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So like Sanjay was saying, we're going to go through some of our best comic book um, acquisitions over the last couple of years in honor um, of Black Friday and all the craziness that goes on. Um, so we frequent, there's a couple, so both we live here both in Calgary. What? Um, Represent? Yeah, YYC. <laughs> um, all right, so we go places like uh, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. We go to there's always kind of local sales kind of around town in Sunnyside. Um, and we're able to kind of always kind of spend our time flipping through long boxes. 
and finding deals. It's exhilarating. You never know when you're gonna what you're gonna find. You know, and they're all the same price. Well, most of them are the same price. But you're flipping through, flipping through, and literally you'll go through four or five long boxes, find nothing that you want, and then but before we leave, look at this one box and find an entire run of infinite infinite gauntlet or civil war. It's happened more than once. It definitely has. And it's it's just having that the the kind of the stamina to stay <laughs> and flip through like thousands of comics at times. And just really and just really know your pricing as well is what I found is a big thing. Um, know what you're willing to pay for something and be willing to walk away from a book that you really want if it's overpriced because otherwise you're going to get yourself down a dark, dark <laughs> path when you show your, your wife or your whomever kind of these bills. What do you mean you spent, you know, $300 on a comic book? Yo, but Dazzler's going to blow up. Taylor Swift <laughs> is playing her in the new movie. I'm telling you. Okay, if you're listening to this, load up on Dazzler comics. You know, it's going to be a hit. Yeah, because I'm tired of flipping through them in all along. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get rid of them for us, please? Yes, yes. Um, but some of the best deals I've gotten at, at some of these more local sh- local areas, local shops, and stuff like that. So I was able to pick up the entire Civil War run uh, a couple of years ago for two bucks an issue. That's crazy. <laughs> two bucks an issue. I looked at it and I was like, oh, sweet. Civil War number one, two bucks. And just kept flipping, 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 and had the whole run there. Awesome. That's impressive. Like, we should just end the show now. That's the, that's the best deal I've ever heard. Especially now with the movie coming out. It's a hit. Yeah. I'm golden there. Um, so I also got... Guardians of the Galaxy number one, uh, the 1990 kind of run of the Guardians, so that would be volume two. Um, I got it for two bucks as well. I kind of just pulled it out um, at a different convention. I just pulled it out of a box and was like, whoa, this looks, this is great. (laughs) It's just real. I kind of looked at it. Great condition. Really happy about it. The guy won two bucks for it. Now, when you started collecting Guardians of the Galaxy, they weren't that popular, right? Like the movie was announced, but people were kind of iffy on it. No, so I had, prior to the movie being announced, I had kind of discovered that Annihilation comic event that I was looking at. Yep. And I hadn't picked up any Guardians, because it kind of takes place, you know, a bit a bit uh, time after. But I hadn't picked up any Guardians books. When it got announced, I decided, well, you know, this must be something cool. So I went back and started back collecting the Guardians of the Galaxy books. Um, not the 1990s run, but the 2008 run, which is another one of my um, favorite comic books or my good deals. So I ended up getting Guardians of the Galaxy number one, uh, the Abbott and Lanning um, uh, 2008 run issue for 15 bucks. Now it sounds like quite a bit, but I think now it's going for over 100 bucks. Well, so I'll give you 16 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I wouldn't be making money. Um, another couple, just quickly rattle them off here is. Uh, Inhumans, uh, the 1975 um, first volume. Again, two bucks I got that for at another convention. Um, Inhumans are becoming more and more popular. They seemingly are taking the place of (laughs) (laughs) X-Men in the Marvel comic book universe right now. Um, And they're showing up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're kind of making their way into the MCU. Um, So it's a pretty good deal. I think it's worth about 80 bucks, 90 bucks too right now. Um, and then uh, one time I was at one of the comic shows and I found an entire short box full of the original run of uh, Star Wars, the Marvel issues. Um, and this had a couple, I ended up getting about 15 or so comic books and they're two bucks each. Well, wow. And I ended up with uh, issue number 68, I think is the most coveted I got out of there, which was the origins of Boba Fett. Really cool cover. Um, again, it goes for quite a bit of money. 
Um, yeah, so, but one thing I really want to emphasize here is that, you know, as far as a collector of comic books goes, and specific, specifically back issues, I don't do it really to make money or I'm not going to, you know, with my eyes set on something uh, with the idea that I'm going to pay for my kid's college or anything like that. I do genuinely enjoy picking up these comic books and it, it's just a little bit more fun when you get them for a really, really good deal. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No. But I've had some good deals, but nothing like that. So one time at the flea market here in Calgary, I picked up issues one, two, and three House of M for $1 each. So that was the uh, Marvel event with um, Scarlet Witch featuring prominently in. Very highly coveted. I think you can get those for about four to five bucks an issue nowadays. So, you know, a little bit of a profit there. Pretty happy with that, but nothing like, like Tim over here. <laughs> Uh, but I did get some other great deals um, at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. I was able to pick up the original Batman and Robin poster, the great Arnold Schwarzenegger and George Clooney movie. The only time Batgirl's ever been featured, though, in in um, in a movie, and Robin as well, I guess. Sec- mm. Only the second time Robin's been in a movie. You're still really holding out on this one, eh? Okay, you know what? One day we're gonna do an episode on why Batman and Robin isn't that bad. It- I-, I look forward to that. We'll have five viewers that day. <laughs> uh, so I got the original movie poster for $1. And I also got the um, teaser poster for Batman Begins, double-sided, for $5. And that kind of kick-started my love for movie posters. Now, the last deal I'm going to say is at one of the more recent sales, I picked up a copy of Justice League of America number 184 for a mere $2. Now, for those who don't know, this is a dark side Justice League story and is highly rumored to be the plot of the Justice League movie. Now this hasn't been confirmed yet, but a lot of people are speculating that Darkseid is going to be the big baddie. Now this happens, watch this book to skyrocket in price. Right now you could probably get it for about $20, so getting it for $2 is great. But, you know, I'm thinking if Justice League movie becomes a hit, I shouldn't have no problem selling it for 100 bucks. And plus, it's a great, great cover. If you get a chance, look it up just fantastic they don't make covers like that anymore you'll never sell it though no i never will <laughs> it's true like someone will come and be like hey i'll give you 100 bucks for it i'd be like no nah, i just can't it's one of those things too you look at it and it's like you say you know oh this comic collection it's worth all this much it's really worth only what people are going to pay for it but i'm never going to sell my stuff I, I always say you know the only the only time this stuff's going to leave my possession is one if i ever go broke maybe i guess i'll sell some of it <laughs> pawn it <laughs> And two, like when I no longer am around to want to keep it. I so want it dead. to be a big burden on my kids. They're like, oh, you take dad's comic books. No, you take it. And then one, the one kid that I like the most will take it and then sell it and be like, wow, those things were actually valuable. Yeah, because it'll be completely digital by then. Yeah, it's true. They're like, what is this? Oh, I can't believe you guys wasted paper like that, mm-hmm. guys. Thanks for cutting down all the trees for your stupid comic books. <laughs> Well, I think that does it for our Black Friday deal. Should we move on to our last segment? Yes, let's do it. Now it's time for our last segment. We like to call Fishbowl. So in this segment, me and Tim each wrote about four to five questions, and then we put them into a fishbowl, and we're going to take turns picking one out, and then we're going to answer it. And so viewers, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to send us a comment, and then we'll make sure to answer those questions in the fishbowl as well. So these questions can be anything... Um, they don't have to involve comics, but they probably will. 
So let's start with the first question. Also, they're blind, so we don't know what they are. So these are kind of like real, kind of genuine answers. And there's a really good chance that they're going to be ridiculous or just completely off the map or off the scale. <laughs> More fun that way. All right, Tim. All right. Best comic sidekick. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, I'm going to go with the... I don't want to say the obvious is Robin, but Robin's highly up there. I'm trying to think of who else would be a good comic sidekick. Tim, do you have any ideas? Bucky. Oh, yeah, Bucky. That's a good one. Does Winter Soldier still count as a sidekick? I don't think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so is Bucky your choice? Bucky's going to be my choice. I'm a big fan of the World War II cap series that they've put out. You know, there's all kinds of ones where they go back and look at some of the battles in between and that. Bucky's always a, a nice presence, um, but I think I'm a bit bit skewed or a bit shifted towards it because of the Winter Soldier and that, and I really, all the runs that he's done recently. Um, Great. Well, you know, as a DC guy, I'm going to go DC. I'm not going to choose Robin because that's obviously the answer because DC is always right. But I'm actually going to go Harley Quinn, sidekick of the Joker. I think, you know, her character, she came out in the Batman animated series. She's widely popular now, and she's going to be in the Suicide Squad movie. I'm I'm picking Harley Quinn. I think she's going to be the breakout of that movie. I'm calling it right now. That's, that's my line. I think we should call this episode. I'm calling it right now. Harley Quinn is going to be the breakout of the Suicide Squad movie. She's already probably one of the most popular characters. Her comic book is top 10 selling every month. So, you know, I don't even think she's a sidekick anymore, but she started off as a sidekick, so... That counts. You're going to develop yourself a bit of a nickname here. You're <laughs> calling a lot of things. You call, call me maybe? We'll work on this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll edit this in post. All right. Now time for one of my questions. What's it going to be? Well, this isn't really a question and I asked it, so I kind of feel embarrassed. But uh, rank the Batman costumes. So this is from the Cinematic Universes. We're not going to include Adam West, because that's clearly number one. Easily. So we're going to start from Michael Keaton in Batman. I think he had the same costume in Batman Returns. Then Val Kilmer's in Batman Forever. Then um, George Clooney's in Batman and Robin. Christian Bale, he had a different costume in Batman Begins. And then he had the same costume, Batman, or The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. And then Ben Affleck's. Oh, I forgot about Affleck's. So um, I'm going to, I'll take the lead. So number one for me, definitely Affleck. It's the most like a comic book, his costume. I mean, it looks great. It looks more kind of like an actual suit and less like physical armor. So I'm definitely going that number one. Number two, I'm going with Keaton. His in Batman and Batman Returns was great. You know, you had the, um, the all black with just the yellow and the symbol. It looked fantastic. Just don't ask him to turn his head. Then I'm going to go with probably Dark Knight. You know, it looked more like armor, but it served a purpose. It worked in that story. It worked in that universe. You know, he definitely needs the armor. It makes sense. Then I'm actually going to go Batman Forever. You know, I didn't actually mind that costume. I think that one was pre-Bat Nipples. So that, and then I'm going to actually say Batman Begins. You know, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of that costume. You know, I think it was a little bit too bulky. And it looked a little bit too much. So maybe that will be tied with Batman Forever. But definitely last, Batman, Robin, Bat Nipples. Tim, any thoughts? 
All right. Well, I'm going to rank mine up by functionality, I think. Makes sense. As far as how what one I would like to wear if I was going out to beat up people on the street. <laughs> so bat nipples clearly number one. Yes, yeah, just scrape people in the eyes. <laughs> no, I think I would go with Noel or the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises suit first. Makes um, sense. And then I would probably... I don't. I haven't seen the Affleck costume in action mm. or moving. Because to me, when I look at the pictures, it looks like a fiberglass cast. <laughs> <laughs> so motion in it doesn't seem like it would be super easy. But having not seen that, I'll probably throw that in at number two. Because I'm assuming it'll be quite functional. Makes sense. And then I'll go Batman Begins. Wow. And then I'll go Keaton. Okay. Batman. Um, the inability to check your blind spot would be a very difficult <laughs> thing. He has rear view mirrors that you just didn't see. Batman thinks of everything. Actually, the blind spot on the Batmobile in that movie would be enormous. <laughs> Um, and then probably, I guess, the Kilmer costume and then bat nipples yeah. being last. Um, purely because I couldn't wear bat nipples out to fight people. What would ever serve, what, what do you think would ever serve the purpose of bat nipples? Like, it's not intimidation. Here's my thinking. You put on the bat nipples, it ruins the villain's concentration. Because for the first two minutes of their encounter, they're thinking... Batman's nipple out? Like, is it cold out? Or what's going on? Like, I think that that's why he puts it on, to throw off their concentration. You know, Batman's calculated. He doesn't do anything without thinking about it. So I'm going to say, you know, the bat nipples actually serve a purpose. Does Batgirls have bat nipples on it? Actually, yes. Joel Schumacher, in the commentary to Batman and Robin, yes, I've listened to the commentary to Batman and Robin. It's actually hilarious. In it, he apologizes for the film. But in it, he says it would be sexist if they didn't put the bat nipples on Batgirl. So if you go back and watch the film, Batgirl has bat nipples as well. I have to go back and look at that. I don't remember that at all. I feel like the the age I was when I saw that, I would should remember that. <laughs> it, you know, okay, so maybe one episode down the road, we are going to have a full episode dedicated to Batman and Robin. That's bold. <laughs> but I'm willing. I'm willing to watch it again. So, are we, are we it? Is that it for the fishbowl? Have the fishes gone away? I think so. I think that wraps it up. Awesome. So, I want to thank everyone for listening to our very first episode of The Nerd Room. Yeah, and I'm hoping you guys enjoyed some of this. Um, look for more stuff to come here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, hopefully as we go through this, we'll, we'll kind of find our footing, and we'll kind of discuss a whole bunch of things that, uh, that everyone enjoys listening to. Um, I can be reached um, at tw- on Twitter at uh, the nerd rm that's t-h-e-n-e-r-d-r-m that's great and you can send us in comments or an email um, i can be reached at 1912 entertainment at gmail.com now that's the actual number so 1912 entertainment at gmail.com before we wrap up i just wanted to say if you get a chance make sure you check out our sister podcast that's the Delayed Offside, and it can be found at SoundCloud. Hosts Adam and Baron take you around the world of hockey, specifically focusing on all seven Canadian teams. That's again, The Delayed Offside, and it can be found on SoundCloud. Well, I'm looking forward to, to you know hearing what you guys think of the episode and hopefully down the road participating in it through kind of Twitter questions or anything like that. Yeah, and on the uh, Podbean where it's, this is set up, there's a room for comments, so please don't be shy. Leave your comments. 
If you have any questions, either send us an email, send us a tweet, or um, send us a comment on the page, and then we'll answer it in our next fishbowl. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This is Sanjay. This is Tim. We're signing off. Thanks for entering the nerd room.